Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, House Democrats advance their Unconstitutional Incumbent Protection Act, SEIU-supported members of Congress advance SEIU's far-left legislative priorities, and a social justice crusade at Google turns up a surprising result. Congressional Democrats are taking dead aim at free political speech with H.R. 1, the For the People Act, which some right-wing Twitterers have accurately mocked as the F the People Act. How bad is H.R. 1? It would, among other things, require taxpayers to subsidize campaigns they oppose, make the Federal Elections Commission currently evenly divided between the two congressional parties to prevent one party from running roughshod over the other, de facto ideologically aligned with the president through a nominal independent seat, enabling partisan abuse by the federal elections regulator, and impose onerous regulations on advocacy speech that would end privacy protections for Americans interested in commenting on public policy or politicians. So bad the left-wing ACLU sent a letter to the House Rules Committee outlining a number of provisions the organization said, quote, must be changed to avoid unconstitutionally burdening political speech. Most of the provisions concerned expanded campaign finance disclosure regulations that would place excessive burdens on organizations and people involved in advocacy. The Institute for Free Speech characterized the bill as the For the Politicians Act, expressing concerns about the privacy of supporters of advocacy groups, the newly partisan FEC being used for abuse, and a general chilling of speech about federal government officials and policies. Ironically, one conceivable beneficiary of H.R. 1 would be President Trump, and other billionaire politicos like Democratic Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker and Starbucks guy Howard Schultz. Since the Supreme Court has held limits on contributions to your own campaign or protected speech under a case called Buckley v. Vallejo, the super-rich can advocate for themselves to their heart's content. Under H.R. 1, groups of citizens opposed to those billionaire politicians or their policies would have to tiptoe around onerous new regulations, regulations a hypothetical post-H.R. 1 president could empower an FEC aligned with him to enforce. The House Education and Labor Committee advanced one of the Service Employees International Union's top legislative priorities yesterday, advancing a bill for a $15 an hour minimum wage along partisan lines. Such a move could cost millions of jobs. The SEIU has been pushing the bill, which would more than double the federal minimum wage, as part of the Fight for 15, a $90 million-plus corporate campaign against the restaurant industry that has made a massive minimum wage hike one of its tentpole demands. That the Education and Labor Committee made SEIU's priorities their own priorities isn't surprising. The union's PACs provided over $335,000 in support to Democrats on the Education and Labor Committee in the 2018 cycle. Chairman Bobby Scott of Virginia has taken over $45,000 from the SEIU during his career. Even the committee's name shows how close the relationship between House Democrats and labor unions is. Under Republican control, the committee is known as Education and Workforce. But minimum wage hikes aren't the most important part of SEIU's campaign for 15 in a union. The real aim is potentially more than $100 million per year in union dues and initiation fees revenue from unionizing McDonald's and other chain restaurants without a secret ballot vote. Key to that effort was the National Labor Relations Board redefinition of joint employment liability under the Obama administration, which was intended to make franchisers—think corporate McDonald's in Illinois— responsible for the decisions of independent franchise operators, like a local McDonald's. The SEIU could then threaten endless litigation against the national franchiser unless it agreed to force franchisees and their workers to accept unionization by SEIU's National Fast Food Workers Union by the abuse-prone, openly public, card-check method. The Trump administration National Labor Relations Board has moved a regulation to reverse the Obama administration's ruling, 
You can read Capital Research Center's regulatory comments by going to capitalresearch.org and searching the phrase, Definition of Joint Employer. Our comments focus on the background behind SEIU's special interest demands, including the failure of the Obama administration's card check bill. And in our final item, Google, which has faced accusations that it underpays female employees, conducted a survey to determine its gender pay gap. But rather than finding the social justice movement's expected female penalty, it found that actually more men were paid less for equivalent work, and men received a disproportionate amount of the company's $9.7 million in sex-based pay disparity adjustments. What this unexpected result illustrates is, as the Independent Women's Forum noted in a blog post, that it is difficult to correct, quote, perceived inequalities, especially if they are due to non-discriminatory factors. Things like lifestyle choices, parenting choices, or choice of jobs. Progressives, using a mostly uncontrolled national statistic, claim that women make about 20% less than men for the same work. But in 2012, American Enterprise Institute economists found that at least three-fourths of the apparent national gap was attributable to factors other than discrimination, and that a gap caused by labor market discrimination, quote, may not be present at all, close quote. It's entirely plausible that there's a small gap, but as women surpass men in education, as birth rates and therefore child-rearing time falls, and older bosses, likely more prone to discriminate, retire, what gap remains will probably further shrink on its own. The aggregate national gap may still persist for entirely economic reasons, For instance, men take on an overwhelming number of dangerous jobs. Upwards of 90% of work-related fatalities in any given year are suffered by men, a risk for which they must be compensated. As for Google, we hope this isn't the last time the company discovers that some social justice claims don't stand up to scrutiny. That's our show for this week. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, and if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.